0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Tuesday, June 1st, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Former State Senator Albert Kukesh has died. The Angoon Democrat served his community in the Alaska legislature for 14 years. He was 72 years old. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports.
1: Albert Kukesh represented Angoon in the Alaska House of Representatives from 1997 to 2004 before moving over to the Alaska Senate for another seven years from 2005 to 2012. Kukesh's Senate territory was a huge, mostly rural district that covered Metlakatla to the Bering Sea and was quickly branded the Iceworm District for its resemblance to the long, skinny relative of the common earthworm that lives in glacial ice. The Iceworm District was split during redistricting in 2012 when Southeast Alaska lost its third senator to population growth in the Mat-Su. Senate colleagues Albert Kukesh and Sitka's Bert Stedman were forced into a showdown that year that neither really wanted. Bert Stedman.
2: Albert and myself had several discussions um, well before the election um, campaigning even started. And one of the things uh, that we wanted to make sure didn't happen was no matter who, I was selected, you know as a senator in Southeast that we didn't have a divisive election in a divided Senate district.
1: Stedman won the seat, and Kukesh ended his legislative career, but his influence did not end. Senator Stedman says former Senator Kukesh remained a prominent voice in southeast issues
2: when he was out of the Senate, um, we'd have some conversations about policy issues and stuff also because he grew up in in southeast and and knew the country very, very well.
1: Kukesh was a 1967 graduate of Mount Edgecombe High School and a gold medal basketball player. He went on to earn a bachelor's degree from Alaska Methodist University in 1971 and a doctorate in law from the University of Washington in 1976. Kukesh never practiced law, however, a fact he was always quick to point out to reporters. He was a legislator, he would say, not a lawyer. Kukesh divided his time between his legislative duties and service on the boards of both the regional native corporation, Sea Alaska, Inc., and the village corporation for Angoon, Kutznewu, Inc. The Alaska House Majority Coalition issued a statement recognizing the extraordinary legacy of Kukesh. Former Speaker of the House Bryce Edgman wrote, Albert was a lifelong advocate for his people, a force in Alaska politics, and a legendary Alaska native leader. He achieved the trifecta of serving in the Senate as co-chair of the Alaska Federation of Natives and as president of the Sea Alaska Board. Edgman concluded, My thoughts are with his wife Sally, his entire family, and the community of Angoon. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey.
0: Memorial information for Senator Albert Kukash was not available by press time. To find a more detailed look at Kukash's life history in Angoon from the Alaska Heritage Institute, visit our website, kcaw.org. With fewer and fewer new cases reported daily, local leaders in Ketchikan have cut the locally issued community risk level. But as KRBD's Eric Stone reports, there's a growing concern about recently discovered cases of COVID-19 in an especially vulnerable group of people.
3: Local officials say two main factors drove the decision to lower the risk level to its second highest rating. First, new infections are slowing. The number of so-called community spread cases where health officials are unable to definitively identify the source of the virus has fallen by more than half. The share of coronavirus tests that come back positive is also declining. The other factor is increased vaccination rates. More than half of Ketchikan's population has now received at least one dose of the COVID 19 vaccine. And as vaccination rates rise, the risk level becomes less sensitive to occasional outbreaks. Though cases overall are slowing, Ketchikan based state public health nurse Arizona Jacobs says she's worried about some infections in an especially vulnerable population. In recent weeks, she says at least three people who are unstably housed have turned up COVID-19 positive.
0: Whether that be persons who are experiencing homelessness or sleeping in a shelter or access homeless services.
3: That includes couch surfers and people who come to a shelter for food or for internet access. Jacobs says keeping a lid on spread in people who don't have a reliable place to sleep is difficult.
0: hard to contact them because of no permanent phone number or address. Um, Also, a lot of people are just not willing to give up their contacts. So that really limits how much we know about their close contacts. It seems to be quite a few close contacts. Unfortunately, we just don't know who they are.
3: Quarantine and isolation are also more difficult. Ketchikan's only summer shelter doesn't have the space to separate exposed or sick patrons from others. And its executive director, Ty Retke says even though the shelter has cut its capacity in half... It's
2: still close quarters, essentially. So, you know, one person coming in that's sick could very quickly spread it to a dozen other people.
3: Retke says even if the shelter did have space, its liability insurance policy makes it difficult for it to house people with COVID-19. And while free COVID-19 vaccines are readily available, Retke says it can be difficult to convince people to get the shot. When you you don't know where your next
2: where you're going to spend the night tonight, when you don't know if you're, if you're going to have a warm bed and a roof over your head or not, or where your next meal is going to come from, you, you enter essentially a fight-or-flight mode. You're in a crisis state.
3: While just a handful of cases among homeless people in Ketchikan have been reported, Public Health Nurse Jacobs says it's difficult to do contact tracking, and there's not a lot of space to isolate and quarantine, so it's difficult to assess the scale of the problem.
0: So I guess it's relatively concerning that we basically have uncontrolled, unchecked spread among persons who are already super vulnerable.
3: She says so far, health authorities estimate just about 30 of Ketchikan's unhoused people have been vaccinated despite outreach efforts, even a vaccine clinic at the shelter. She says around 60 people use the shelter regularly and another 200 use shelter services more intermittently. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone.
0: Over a recent weekend, Juno drag performers hosted their first live show in 15 months. They invited people for a rowdy night of in-person maskless entertainment with just one catch. You had to be vaccinated to get in the door of the Red Dog Saloon, and you had to prove it. With her vaccine card in hand, KTOO's Rasha McChesney went to check out the show. A
4: short line snaked out of the door of the Red Dog Saloon on Saturday night as people waited to show their vaccine cards and IDs. And once you did, it was a little like stepping back in time, or maybe into an alternate reality where the COVID-19 pandemic doesn't exist.
2: We are getting ready to start this fabulous show. We're putting the final touches on our drag backstage. Showtime in five minutes.
4: People are hugging. It's hot and sweaty and vibrantly queer. There's lots of glitter and gender bending, a shirtless bartender and suspenders. Virtually no one is wearing a mask. So many people are saying this is the first time they've gathered with so many other people in such a long time. The music starts to come up. People are settling into their seats and looking up at this glittery black curtain stage expectantly. And then suddenly, in a flouncy pile of black tulle and a tall, rainbow-feathered headdress, Juno's drag mom, Gigi Monroe, appears behind the crowd. Mouths drop open comically. People are so excited. The classic bait-and-switch works so well. She glides through the room, lip-syncing to this classic Pink song. The energy is so high and the excitement just palpable. And... For Monroe, whose non stage name is James Hoagland, this was a moment of realization.
2: As soon as I came out and I saw that our audience, instead of sharing like the balcony level and the floor level um, to spread out more, everybody clustered together on the floor level and got as close as they could because they were just dying to have that experience. And that was my signal that everyone was ready for it.
4: Monroe and I caught up later in the week to chat about the show, and days later, she's still a little hoarse.
2: I completely forgot how to use a microphone.
4: She says for the most part, everything went smoothly. It was just like riding a bicycle. No one forgets how to be social, how to enjoy a live show. They just sometimes need to be coaxed back into it. But there were some things that were different. If you paid close attention, you'd notice that she kind of kept her distance from the crowd. The other performers did, too. Usually they weave through the audience, amping up the crowd, teasing tips out of them. But Monroe says they discouraged that during this show and asked people to consider tipping digitally or tossing money into buckets near the stage. For the most part, people complied. Though I did see one woman get in mid-show who hadn't bought a ticket or brought her vaccine card. She swore up and down to the door guy that she'd been vaccinated, though. And at any other time, that would have been a normal part of going to a live show. But it felt particularly weird when the show organizers were clearly trying to create a safe space for people. The troupe did two shows, one early and one late. Each was capped at 100 tickets, both sold out. Monroe says there was some uncertainty in hosting an event that large.
2: I kept waiting for someone else to do it, Um, someone else to be the first big event, Um, whether it was for vaccinated only or not. but just to try to host something indoors that was for a larger audience. Um, And no one had done it. So (laughs) um, as time went on, I said, OK, I really didn't want to be the first one to push this, but I really believe in it. I have total faith and confidence that it's a safe thing to do.
4: She says some people in the Juno drag troupe were hesitant, too.
2: I mean, I think on the performer side of things, it was a smaller cast because not everybody was quite ready to take that leap with me.
4: Even though they're done with digital drag for now, Monroe says for those performers or audiences who don't want to be indoors yet, they've got two live outdoor shows coming up this summer. In Juneau, I'm Rosha McChesney.
0: I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News on KCAW Sitka.